Hello, everybody. Welcome back into your latest episode of Locked on Colts, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Today's is your host, Evan Sider. I'm joined by Stephen Reed of Stampede Blue today as we are back on the, the five-day-per-week grind here in Locked on Colts. This season just around the corner, Stephen. What's it like to feel like, even though we talked a couple weeks ago, it's really close in now. We're less than two weeks away from the Colts opener in Jacksonville. Oh, it's exciting to finally have football to look forward to. Uh, it's great. It's been such a tough time during this entire entire pandemic and not having a lot of live sports. And then now finally getting to a point where it seems like everybody in the NFL is taking care of themselves and taking care of their business. Uh, it's where you don't see a lot of positive tests. And then, you know, they're all doing what they're supposed to do, uh, which is which is what you like to see. And, and it just makes you really excited about, about the season coming forward. Yeah, absolutely. And 13 days away as we're recording this, Stephen, from the Colts home opener, or from the Colts road opener in Jacksonville, their first game of the year. And the Jaguars, they released Leonard Fournette today. So the Jaguars are definitely in the tank for Trevor Lawrence race already. They are probably a team that might win three or less games this year, it looks like, with the way their roster is really going about and the way they're really building that team. Also, trade Yannick and Gakwe earlier this week to Minnesota, who the Colts will see in week two as well. But let's dive into some training camp storylines first off. But we wanted to hit on the biggest one, at least of today's news, and really over the last few weeks. Roosevelt Knicks, even though he was kind of under the radar signing a veteran minimum contract that Knicks signed with the Colts in, late in the offseason, fullback. I, I, we all kind of knew in the beginning of that he kind of was going to add a new element to the Colts rushing attack. Kind of what we saw Wisconsin with Jonathan Taylor when he was in college, a lot of heavy I-formation schemes. But in Frank Reich's system, Stephen, never really saw much of a fullback usage before. But Roosevelt Knicks was cut today by the Colts. It kind of gives us an idea, I think, Stephen, that the Colts are leaning towards keeping either four tight ends, and I think it really locks in possibly Jordan Wilkins staying on as a fourth running back too. Yeah, I think so. And and with Roosevelt Knicks, one thing I want to mention is he wasn't really brought in to be a running back. So I, I think Jordan Wilkins' spot was pretty much – yeah, okay, it could have been questionable, but over the most part, I, I think that those top four guys, uh, Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, and, and Jordan Wilkins, were all going to make that roster – I think the biggest key in them wanting to move on from Roosevelt Knicks was getting uh, Mo Ali Cox back healthy, finding out Trey Burton wasn't going to miss a lot of time. And then you've got the sign that Andrew Valer was the, the waiver claim uh, or the signing that they had just recently. He's the, if anybody watches hard knocks, he was on week one where he came out and, and was at the very end said, Hey, I think this is a bunch of junk. Um, to, to put it politely, um, that you're cutting me right now. Um, they got picked up, I think, by the Panthers and then ended up coming here to the Colts. Um, and so I, I think that you're probably going to see them keep four tight ends with the cutting of Roosevelt Knicks. Uh, like you said, though, it wasn't, it wasn't super surprising given Frank Reich's system and given how well the offensive line opens up holes without the need of a fullback. And so Frank Reich's system is all about mismatches. And this gives him another opportunity without having to rely on a fullback to take advantage of mismatches. Now I know Kyle, Kyle Shanahan and, and the 49ers use a fullback, you know, liberally and th- they are able to use that. But you know, Kyle Ustrak is a, it's a different, different animal than what Roosevelt Knicks is. And so it was a surprise because he was a, a bigger name signing, I guess. Um, or, or one of the signings that they had in, in free agency. I guess any any signing that Chris Ballard has from the outside is a, kind of a big-name signing because he doesn't sign too many outside free agents. Um, but to have him come in and then have him get cut, it wasn't necessarily surprising if, if you, you kind of knew what the Colts were wanting to do. 
Yeah, and that's a good point you're bringing up there just because the versatility, Nick's really didn't bring you much offensively. He was more of a special teams guy, and that's what we heard all throughout camp there is that they didn't really run much of the fullback stuff with Nick's in camp. And when Nick's had opportunities, he didn't really do much with it outside of special teams work. And obviously Nick's is older. He's getting a little banged up for the last couple of years too. And they played two games last year for the Steelers. So could be the end nearing for Roosevelt Nick's uh, definitely at the Colts. And we'll have to see if he lands elsewhere but throughout this NFL season with COVID-19 going on. I imagine he might get another look elsewhere, but I wanted to hit as well, Steven on other storylines of training camp so far, because of course, Roosevelt Nick's getting cut. That's one of the freedom signings that did not work out for the Colts, at least right now. I also wanted to hit on just the overall impact from what we've seen from players on this team throughout camp and from all indications so far, Stephen, it's been a great camp for multiple players here. Who, who has stood out to you most when reading kind of the, the bylines and seeing guys who stood out the most to you? I think the, the number one that she's at the top of the list is Taekwon Lewis. Um, and I, you hear about Taekwon Lewis and Al-Qadim Muhammad. Um, both of them have had great camps thus far. And I think a lot of that goes to the coaching change, um, bringing in Brian Baker. If you listen to Al-Qadim Muhammad was had a press conference the other day and, and did some answers some questions and he just kept hitting back to Baker and, and how much of a change it is. And I think you're going to see just, I, I'm really excited for the Colts defensive line this year because of the coaching that they have there and, and the talent that they have there. And Baker seems like he's a guy that's going to be able to get the most out of everybody and you're seeing guys really put in the work. So Taekwondo is, is my surprise camp because two, three weeks ago when we talked, I said, hey, look, he might be a surprise cut if he didn't put in the work this offseason and doesn't really you know, hone himself to this. Um, I could see him being a surprise cut. And sure enough, that he, he went and, and worked hard this offseason and has taken to the coaching. And you see just – you you don't see it because we're we're not even allowed in, but you hear it from everybody talking about how well Taekwondo Lewis has played. So that would be my my number one big guy on, in terms of how well or kind of like a big camp storyline on guys that have outperformed. And also, I throw in their uh, wide receiver Desmond Patman um, for the uh, six round wide receiver uh, that people thought might be a fringe roster guy. Um, and they might try to stash him on the practice squad. Everything you hear about him is he just makes plays. He he just does the dirty work. He's willing on special teams. He's a guy that is, he, he's kind of like a, a bigger, more talented version, I guess, of Zach Pascal, um, in a way. And I really like Zach Pascal. Um, and not, not taking anything away from him, but he's just a bigger version of that. Um, and so I'd be interested to see, you know, where he lands on this roster if, if he's able to make it. Cause I think that wide receiver five, wide receiver six, depending on how many they keep, that's going to be a big question. Yeah. I'm glad you brought, brought Patman too, because he's really been turning heads so far. Nick Sirianni, Frank Reich, I mentioned that he's really done well for himself in camp and his big body too. He's a, sort of the second big wide receiver the Colts have outside Michael Pittman. Patman, I think is even more chiseled than Pittman is. Uh, he's Pittman 6'4", 225. Patman, I believe is around the same weight, but I think Patman carries his weight a little bit well, better right now, at least at this stage than Pittman does. And it just goes to show you, I think there's versatility with using Patman on special teams. You can use Patman on maybe four wideout sets and maybe get him in there for rundowns. There's a lot of things I think Patman could offer you that maybe we didn't expect early on in camp. And that goes to show you, Steve, I wanted to ask you this, kind of tying it into the point about roster cuts. Looking at this wire receiver position, if the Colts do keep five or six, 
for personally for me, Steven, I don't know about you, but I have the keeping six. I have Hilton, Pittman, Campbell, Pascal as the locks. Then I have Desmond Patman as my fifth receiver, then Ashton Doolin for special teams purposes being sort of new Chris Milton as the sixth receiver being kept. Do you think there's a chance that Chris Bauer goes back to the trade well once more again? Because they have bet the wide receiver once more this to go around. Maybe they try to ship Darius Fountain or Marcus Johnson for a sixth, seventh round pick like we saw with Nate Hairston last year. Yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised by that um, to see him do that. Well, one thing I want to mention about Desmond Patman is when, when he was drafted, one of the things that I said coming out was he's that big body type wide receiver. And I thought that they might try to transition him to kind of play more that Eric Ebron role um, at the tight end position because he's a big body. He can move. He can make plays in the red zone. And so that was one of those things that I thought that he might be a big slot option. And what, depending on how this roster plays out, I'll be interested to see how many tight ends they keep versus wide receivers. Getting back to your question. Um, my six wide receivers, I also believe they're going to keep six wide receivers. Um, uh, obviously, the four locks that you mentioned, Hilton, Campbell, uh, Pascal, and Pittman. Um, I also have, had them keeping Patman, but I had Therese Fountain on there as, as my six, just because he's seemingly played very, very well in camp thus far. He had a great camp last year before that that ankle, ankle situation. And I think the Colts would be, with, with Patman able to play special teams, as long as well as Zach Pascal, you know, play special teams and, you know, depending on the other, the other roster positions, because that, that's your biggest thing right now at the bottom of the roster is, is grabbing those guys that can also play special teams for you. And so you look at that and you say, all right, you know, these guys, you've got good guys. I wouldn't be, be against them keeping Ashton Doolin. I said, I think that he, he played great on special teams. Uh, another guy, uh, Marcus Johnson, I could honestly, like you said, I, I could see Chris Ballard making those trades and, and trading, you know, six, seventh round pick uh, for Marcus Johnson or Darius Fountain or an Ashton Doolin. Um, I imagine one or two of those guys, he's going to try to swip around, whip around and keep on that practice squad, um, which I think if you're going to try to risk one, you're probably trying to risk Ashton Doolin out of that group or Darius Fountain. Um, and you probably, you know, if you're doing – keep cut trade um you're probably you know keeping ashton jeweler and Dries fountain cutting marcus johnson or trading him um you know it's a, it's a tough situation at the bottom of the wide receiver position but like you said it's a good position to be in for the colts and just goes to show how well chris ballard has drafted and how how well he's brought in guys that, that were undrafted and and they're able to make plays and and really show out on this roster RockAuto.com is the best place to go right now, Colts fans, to save money on your car. Whether it be a fuel pump assembly, getting a new tire, or you want to just help out and get a more efficient car in whatever way possible, Rock Auto is the place to go. There are family-owned business serving auto car customers online for 20-plus years. And if you go to RockAuto.com right now, they'll help you save on so much on, from hundreds of manufacturers on, on multiple parts in your car. They are from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Where it's your classic daily driver, guaranteeing the infusing clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remotely easy to navigate. Quickly sell the parts we for your vehicle and choose the brand, specification, and price prefer. And best of all, price at rockauto.com are always reliably low and instead professional do yourselfers. So, why spend twice as much for the same parts at a bigger chain storefront when you can get it even cheaper at Rock Auto? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts we for your car. Go to And also write locked on, L O C K A D O N, and their How to Boss box, and then locked on cold sent you over there. Again, that's that's locked on in the How's Your Boss box. So now that locked on Colts sent you over to Rock Auto. One more time for you, 
L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and Rock Auto's How Do You Hear Ballast Box. Yeah, and like you mentioned, it just goes to show you the overhaul that Ballard's done outside of T.Y. Hill, and of course he's a stalwart of that position, but adding in everyone else is a Ballard player, Pittman, Campbell, Pascal, Patman, Doolin, Fountain, Johnson, all these guys were brought aboard in their, under the Ballard-Reich era, and just goes to show you that how much they value that wide opposition and how they can keep by our six guys and really not be any sort of issue because we've seen before, I mean, maybe you're on the right point there, Stephen, because how badly they were injured in that position last year. Maybe they stashed two, two of those guys in the practice squad and see if that makes it work because knowing the position, there's probably at least one or two injuries there throughout the year. You're going to have to be having at least a couple insurance policies on tap there. But speaking of injuries, I want to hit on Trey Burton with you because he was one of the stars we're going to hit on today throughout camp. And it seemed like before his, his calf injury, and luckily it's not like an Andrew Luck situation, Stephen, that it's going to be like a season ender, but it seems like he's going to be out probably for the season opener, maybe throughout the month of September. How big of a blow is that for the Colts offensive Burton is after the first, let's say, two to four weeks of the season? And also, if Burton we've, – we've heard throughout camp so far with Burton, too, that he really was becoming a security blanket for F.L. Rivers. Yeah, I think that the, the good thing is that it happened now uh, versus happening in season. Um, so I don't think it's going to have as much of an effect um, because you're getting Moali Cox back. You, you've got Jack Doyle. You've got you know, Andrew Valer, if you keep him, Zebra Grimble, if you keep him. Um, and you've got some big wide receivers that can that slide down and play the slot as well. Um, I, I do think it's it's fortunate that it's only going to be a two- to four-weeker, um, and or it's going to be a short-term injury. And it's not something like what happened with Andrew Luck where it lingered. Uh, and But I think the biggest benefit you're going to get is once he comes back because teams aren't going to be able to really game plan for him and be able to have that film on. So once you get back and now he gets back in week five, six, seven, somewhere around there, then it's not as big of a deal. If he comes back a little bit later than that for the Baltimore game, you know, Baltimore is not going to be able to game plan for him as well if that's the situation. But regardless, I think it's kind of, if you're going to get hurt, it's kind of a blessing that it happens now. So then Frank Reich makes Ariani have two weeks to game plan for uh, Jacksonville upcoming, it gives Trey Burton a chance to get some rest and really heal that without feeling pushed to get back while you're do- trying to do it in season, because there is some stress on, on guys to get back when you're in season and he's going to feel stressed. And he's going to feel stressed to, to get himself healthy right now, but he's got some time. Um, and, and the Colts training staff is going to do everything they can to get him healthy and get him out there. But like you said, he was, he was showing out. Um, during training camp, you you heard you know all the beat writers talk about how great he was and how natural that connection was with Philip Rivers, and so you're you're of course sad to see him go down with any kind of injury, uh, but you're also excited to see what comes of it when he comes back. Yeah, and it seems like too at this point with the Burton injury, they're probably going to keep four tight ends in the roster. Probably Andrew Valera is going to be that four tight end. They claimed it off the Chargers. He's only 25 years old too, so a very elite athlete per spark measure. So. It's sort of a Ballard-type transaction. It makes a lot of sense there. And why not roll a dice to see what happens with Valera if he does get some snaps in the first month or so of the season. And once Trey Burton is back, I think he's going to be a very versatile chess piece as Colts offense here. And one more point on Burton before we move on, Stephen, is a, a interesting conference Nick Sirianni last week about – I believe a reporter asked about the differences, the similarities and differences between Eric Ebron and Trey Burton. And Sirianni pretty openly said that Burton was a better route runner, a better catch uh, guy. He didn't say outright say better catching of the football, but he really kind of alluded to it that way. 
and overall just being a more nuanced route runner, a more high IQ player too, is being able to get his routes open just instead of raw athleticism. It seems like to me that Burton might even be a better fit in the system than Eric Ebron was, and it might set up for a big year once he is back. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that Trey Burton, it, it's, it's not necessarily hard to have better hands than Eric Ebron. Um, and I defended Eric Ebron to a point, and then you just got to the point where you're like, all right, come on, man. Um, but, yeah, if Nick Sirianni sitting there saying that Trey Burton is a better route runner, he's got better hands, um, and I think you look at the tape and that, that really kind of goes to show you, um, you know, he, he really does uh, have, you know, run better routes, have better hands. And he's got familiarity with Frank Reich. Um, Trey Burton's biggest years were when they were in Philadelphia together. Um, it, it led to him getting that huge payday in Chicago. And, you know, of course, he's going to take the opportunity to come back to a, a system uh, that that's going to allow him to excel. And remember, you're playing in a dome. It's a lot easier to catch catch balls in a dome than it is outside in the cold in the wind of Chicago or outside in the cold of Philadelphia. And so he's coming into a kind of a perfect situation knowing you've got Phillip Rivers who really focuses on tight ends a lot and fight tight ends, check downs, uh, things like that. So it's really a perfect situation for Trey Burton. And if you're looking for fantasy, fantasy gold during the late, late parts of your draft or on the waiver wire, once he starts to come back healthy, go ahead and snatch him up. Uh, unless you're playing in a league against me, and then don't do that. <laughs> yeah, hey, Burton, I think, is going to be a really fun player to watch in his Colts offense for sure. And he might even be, like Sirianni alluded to, and like we're talking about now, Stephen, even a better fit all around for this Colts offense at the tight end position heading into 2020. But I want to hit on a really intriguing storyline, too. We've been following along with throughout camp, and one where I doubt this happens. I think it's maybe like a 1% chance it happens, but I just think it's so interesting to me, Stephen, that – Jacob Eason has been the fourth-string quarterback throughout the entire training camp. That Chad Kelly's gotten more snaps than him. Jacob Eason, the two scrimmage games, they had Luke Solo Stadium. He didn't go in until the, after the first hour and a half, two hours of the scrimmage. He only got about four or five snaps in each one of those. Are you at all worried that Jacob Eason might not be doing so well behind the scenes, or maybe that's just they're preserving him? I, I have no clue what to say there, because, Stephen, because it just confuses me why Chad Swag Kelly's getting the third-string reps over Jacob Eason, unless something's up there. Yeah, I'm not necessarily concerned about it. Um, the talent is obviously there from Jacob Eason. Even in the limited amount of snaps that you saw, you'd hear beat reporters talk about how just fantastic some of his throws were um, and that you just can't teach that kind of kind of talent, that kind of ball placement, that kind of arm talent. Um, and so I think this is more like just a rookie going to camp and knowing that he's not going to be the first or second guy Right, like those two positions are locked for the Colts it, with with Philip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett, so you're going to give them a chance to run, and, and it might be a, an opportunity for them to build his confidence because um, with quarterbacks, confidence is a lot to do with it. And so you put him up against four string guys, you get him get him a couple throws, kind of like uh, coaches will game plan some easy throws for quarterbacks to start a game to start to build that confidence. You want to really kind of build. Build Jacob Eason's confidence. I don't think there's any way that Jacob Eason gets cut and gets put to waivers. Um, and, and everything you hear from from guys talks about how Jacob Eason's really putting in the work. I, I that's everything I've heard at least. I, I don't know if maybe you've heard something different than that, um, but everything I've heard's been been pretty positive. You know, every, every once in a while you hear about a throw getting away from him. Um, but in terms of comparing him to Chad Kelly, it's really apples versus oranges. Chad Kelly is just not really an NFL 
caliber quarterback. It's just probably more familiarity with the system than, than anything else. But I think that they will try to stash Chad Kelly on the practice squad. That's a good point to bring up there, Stephen, because I think the practice squad with Chad Kelly is probably the most likely thing. And obviously a scenario that's probably very, very unlikely to happen here with who knows with COVID-19, maybe it does. But if Philip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett are both out, if you, if you do stash Chad Kelly, maybe Chad Kelly is your pseudo third-string quarterback you bring up to the practice squad. So you're 100% sure Jacoby Brissett doesn't take a snap in 2020, 2021 because you really just want to take a whole year off and just mentally learn the system. Do you think that's a real possibility there? Really, Kelly could be on the practice squad but also be kind of that third-string guy if, if need be? Yeah, I honestly do. I think he'll probably be more of a taxi squad guy. Um, I do think that if if given the opportunity, they'll they'll go ahead and put Jacob Beeson out there um, just because he gives them a better opportunity to win than Chad Kelly. Um, and you got to know that if something happens with Philip Rivers or Jacoby Brissett and, and it's COVID related, then they're going to have to go through the process and Chad Kelly's I've heard rumors that the different teams are going to go in and actually have that practice squad quarterback. That's going to be completely separate from the other quarterback room. So then they've at least got one guy that if the other, one of those other three quarterbacks are exposed to COVID, then you've got one guy that you know can come in and play. Um, I could see that being Chad Kelly uh, in that situation, but I, I do think that he'll be, he'll be the one that gets bumped up pretty quickly if something happens to Philip Rivers or Jacoby Brissett, um, whether he gets snaps over Jacob Eason or not, I, I'm not sure. I think at that point you're really kind of struggling anyway. So maybe you do throw Chad Kelly and just see what he can do um, and, and just build up the Chad Kelly hype train uh, because it's just going like a locomotion locomotive right now, just down the tracks in Colts, Colts nation. I, I still don't understand it. Yeah, luckily Jacob Eason on board there sort of is maybe the talk of a potential future franchise quarterback instead of Chad Kelly, because I agree with you, Stephen. It's a little ridiculous sometimes when we see the Chad Kelly hype where didn't he obviously had a fun preseason last year, but I think Jacob Eason obviously has a lot more talent, arm strength and everything around compared to Chad Kelly. But let's on the offensive line depth for a second, Stephen. We only have a few more topics in today's show, and offensive line depth is still one of, I think, the issues for this team. But it seems like internally the Colts are – are very high on low Raven Clark this year, even though he had a really bad preseason last year. From all the cases, he's had a really good camp so far as the backup right tackle to Braden Smith when he's been sitting out with injury. Danny Pinter's been sort of that Joe Haig interior guy being a center and guard throughout camp. Not much tackle work so far for him, but also you have guys like Jake Eldering Camp, Carter O'Donnell, the undrafted guy out of Canada. I don't, what do you think of this offensive line depth so far, Stephen? Because I don't think they're going to have much experience, of course, but. For my projections, I'm keeping nine guys. I have all four of those guys I just mentioned, Clark, Pinter, Eldrin, Camp, and O'Donnell making the 53-man roster just because the lack of experience they have. It's concerning, but also it seems like from inside West 56th Street, LaRaven Clark and Danny Pinter are doing well for themselves. Yeah, you're hearing that you don't hear them complain too much about the offensive line depth, which is questionable, I guess. Um, you're not, you're not going to hear them complain about it regardless. Um, at this point in the season. Yeah. I could see them keeping nine or 10 on the offensive line. Uh, Carter O'Donnell is probably my, my sneaky pick to be that prac that uh, undrafted free agent that makes the roster for the Colts. Cause I don't think that Blankenship is going to pass McLaughlin at this point after what happened in, in stadium the other day. Um, and so, yeah, the offensive line depth is concerning. Um, LaRaven Clark, they, 
they keep building him up, but every time you see him on the field, on the field, it you you just kind of scratch your head and, and say, why is why is he out there? Um, you know, but as hopefully that starting five stays healthy, and you never have to deal with that depth at all. Um, but yeah, I think that the depth is concerning. You've got guys that can play multiple positions. Danny Pinter, um, I feel comfortable with him going at either guard position. Or even Clark, I, I probably feel more comfortable with him at left tackle than I do at right tackle. Um, Carter O'Donnell is a guy that I, I think could sneak onto this roster as, as that last offensive lineman. Um, and you got to look at that that backup center spot and Javon Patterson potentially. Quentin Nelson, for whatever reason, is listed as a center guard um, on the Colts official website. So that's a that's interesting, I guess. Um, so yeah, hopefully they don't have to worry about the depth, um, and, and it it is what it is, and you just kind of roll with it and hope that they they can beef it up next year uh, and and get a little bit a little bit better and get a little bit more quality depth guys there. Um, but that there's there's not a whole lot to say because we haven't heard a lot the 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 worst thing you hear about is offensive the only time you really hear about offensive linemen is if the defensive linemen are crushing them so like what when you heard about offensive linemen you heard about like a hitner um and and how taekwon lewis was just eating him up like two out of three plays in the scrimmage like first two plays he just went right past Hitner and had sacks. So that's the tough part is you haven't really heard a lot about the offensive line, which is kind of good because when you do hear about the offensive line, it's usually bad. Yeah. And I, I agree with you there. I'm really curious to see how the Colts go about this offensive line depth. I do hopefully think that the Colts put in a waiver claim outside of the 53 man roster cuts when all those cutdowns happen and try to get a more veteran experience guy on board there. I think it just, they need to have some more experience in the, the second unit there behind the Colts starting five at the offensive line there. But Let's go to the other side of trenches for a second, Stephen. Defensive line. You mentioned Tyquan Lewis at the top of the show. He's had an awesome camp so far. He's going to help out so much for this Colts defensive line. He's able to keep this up throughout the regular season. Obviously, it's a big question mark with the way Lewis has played the first couple of years. But from all indications, my find the light find might have came on for Tyquan Lewis. But Robert Windsor, too, the sixth round pick, has done well for himself too. I think there's a really good chance he now makes, he now makes the 53 man roster. Kamoko Ture though is the big question because he still hasn't practiced yet, and that leads me into the point of Sheldon Day who still hasn't practiced yet either, Stephen, the Colts backup one tech to Grover Stewart. I still have Sheldon Day making this roster, but just barely at this point, Stephen, because Windsor and Tyquan Lewis have so well for themselves. They're kind of making maybe Day a little bit expendable. But since Kamoko Ture is still out, and you kind of just need more bodies in the defensive line there, I have Sheldon Day just barely making it in there. But I do wonder once Day is back, will he even get much reps if Windsor and Tyquan Lewis keep this up, keep this up for them? And that's the question is – when, whenever you get injured and you miss time, if somebody else takes your snaps, they take your snaps and you don't get those opportunities. Uh, Sheldon Day signed a one-year deal. So, you know, he's an Indianapolis product. So he's one central. And so you really hope that he makes this roster, but he could be a surprise cut. Um, and, and he could be a guy that they cut and they try given the, the lax um, rules on the practice squad this year and, and the extended practice squad, he might be a guy that they, they, put over on the practice squad um, and go ahead and, and move him over there with Ture. I think they might, they might start Ture off on IR um, or, or keep him on the pup list. I don't know which, which one he can go on right now um, and have him miss those first six games of the season. 
So it really opens up that extra defensive line spot for you. Um, but yeah, it's the battle at the defensive line. Like I said, at the, the top of the show, uh, that's, I think is the deepest position because you can seriously go through the defensive line and say, all right, uh, we've got 10 guys, 10, 12 guys that you real you feel confident in. And, yeah. and now you're going, well, I've got to cut one or two of them. Well, who am I going to cut? Yeah, that's the big thing here, Stephen, because you see guys like Ture, obviously he's making the roster, but Windsor, you have Sheldon Day, Danico Autry now is going to be sort of a hybrid end defense tackle. Al-Kuddy Muhammad's had a great camp for the Colts. I also bring up guys like, obviously, Justin Houston, Forrest Buckner, Grover Stewart, the stalwarts up front for this Colts defensive line. And I'm really excited to see all these guys find action this year because I think Buckner mentioned all throughout the offseason so far, Stephen, he's going to make such a big impact on this whole entire unit that they could make a huge leap this year in terms of production. But last topic with you, I want to close out, and we already had on the kicker situation. I think we both agree that Chase McLaughlin will get this kicking job over Rodrigo Blankenship. But the one, the one point on the news front we haven't t- touched on just yet, I want to say for the final part of the show, Julian Blackman, the Colts' third-round pick, free safety, was activated from the, the pup list today, the NFI list. And he's, he's practicing, actually. He had his first practice today for the Colts. I imagine he won't play in the opener. I imagine he won't play in the first weeks of the season. But I think it's very impressive how Blackman's already back after nine months away from tearing an ACL. I imagine the Colts will slow place a little bit too, Stephen. But having Julian Blackman there as a – an insurance policy right away and then later in the season, probably in October, get him more and more snaps in an NFL game. The Colts now at signing Tavon Wilson, they have legitimately five safeties now with Hooker, Willis, George Odom, Tavon Wilson, and Julian Blackman. They by far think have the deepest safety room in the NFL. Wow, that's a big statement. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Um yeah, they've got a lot of youth and a lot of talent. So that's that's going to be my question is is how well like how is Malik Hooker really going to going to step up on it, and how will Julian Blackman play when he gets there? I love Kyrie Willis and how he plays. Tavon Wilson, he's been steady for years and years and years, and so you've got an idea of where they're at. I think they've got they're sneaky deep at the safety position. Um, and given the fact that they play a lot of three safety sets, um, that that's really good for them because they're going to have once Blackman gets back, you like honestly, like when you think about Blackman, Hooker, and Kyrie Willis all in the field at the same time, and I, I feel really confident with the Colts in that because Blackman can do anything. Like he can play coverage, he can go up and hit. You know, the fact that he was able to make it back in nine months, and they feel confidence to go ahead and activate him now, rather than just to keep him on pup and keep him out for the first six weeks of the season, tells you they kind of expect him to be back pretty early in the season. And so that's a big step for him. And as a this group is is sneaky deep, but not a lot of people will know about that because they don't have any of those big name flashy guys. They've just got guys that go and do work, which is exactly what Matty Rufus wants on his defense. Steven, appreciate the time as always. You guys can go follow him on Twitter at NiceReadSteven. He's going to be on with us weekly throughout the season. So, Steven, I'm excited to have you on throughout this interesting cold season where it's not going to be a lot of fans in the stands. COVID-19 is obviously impacting it, but this cold season is going to be a lot of fun to watch. So appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks, Evan. Have a good one.